It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Psy Tech Talk, taking the God story to a geeky place. Here's Michelle. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me on SciTech Talk, a service of my Michelle Live. And I'm delighted that you are coming along for the ride on our SciTech Talk today. We're going to talk about time. There, People have tossed around the idea that wouldn't it be great if we had a five-day work week? maybe a three-day work week. How about if I just retire? Uh, But did you ever wrap your head around why we have seven days a week? And why in those seven days, there is something that points us to a God story, something as simple as the day's of the week? What is it? And how can your life be better from understanding it. We are going to take it on today with a friend of mine who I, every time we get together and talk science, I feel like it's church. I love this man. What a delight to have with me today, astrophysicist Hugh Ross, founder, president of Reasons to Believe, and the author of a lot of spectacular books. One of his latest is Weathering Climate Change, which is the best book on climate change. It is so balanced. It's not political. It has answers. It's extraordinary. He's written many other books that have given us insight into the cosmos, into the Bible, and he is with us today giving us reasons to believe Hugh Ross. Now, reasons to believe. Hugh, thanks for hanging out with me. I'm glad you made time. Some of the earliest civilizations, Hugh, observed the cosmos. They were much like you do. And they recorded movements of planets, suns, moons. The Babylonians were ones that started started observing seven days a week. And it said, if I have this correct, that it was because they observed seven bodies out in the heavens, uh, sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. So they saw these seven and they gave a day of the week for each one of these. And that's where a lot of people think that our seven day work day, our seven day week came from. What say you? It's actually original to the Bible. God works six days, <laughs> rests the seventh. How did so we forget did that? How, how did we forget that? When you, in school even, I remember even back in the day, back in the dark ages, I remember them saying, the Babylonians have given us our seven-day work day. And that's why we have Saturn day, Saturn day. We have Monday, which is moon day. And so we just work off that premise. But it goes farther than that. And it was really the Bible that cited originally seven days where, as you said, God created in six days and on the seventh, he rested. You see it in written form in the first time in uh, the Babylonian Sumerian cultures. Okay, fair That's enough then. because Hebrew did not become a written language until the 15th century B.C., so the fact that we see it in written form in the Sumerian text doesn't mean that's where it began. When you open up the Bible, the first thing it talks about is the six days and a, a day of rest that follows. 
And in the book of Exodus, it says, but we're to do the same. Even says the agricultural land is to celebrate a Sabbath. In case the agricultural land has to be worked for six years and rested in the seventh year. And today we know that this is not some arbitrary uh, system. This is what's optimal uh, for the agricultural land. This is what's optimal for us human beings. Oh, I'm excited to get into that. But I do think it's worth asking the question of, did the Bible steal that idea from the Babylonians because that was well established in that time? I think it's more likely the other way around. Uh, I think God established the Sabbath with the very first humans that he created, and it just got you know let down. And so the Sumerians were the first to put it in writing. I think that's a good point. No, I think that's a good point. And and here's something that I'd like to point out that we're, our brains don't always go here because our society is set up a certain way in that time in history. You mentioned when the written word came into that area of the world prior to that, It wasn't as though history was lost. It wasn't as though we didn't know what happened or who we descended from. There was a very strong oral account. That's how stories, that's how lineage, that's how the history was passed on through oral accounts, sitting around the campfire, telling these stories. And my father told me stories. I'm telling my children stories. They're going to tell their generation stories, and they were carefully guarded. It was an important part of civilization. So to say it just happened simply because we read it is akin to saying, if it's not in the newspaper, it's not true. If it's not on the Internet, I don't believe it. I'm old enough before there were hard drives where in school they made us memorize the really critical stuff. And that's what in tribes that don't have a written language, the elders will sit down and teach the children and have them memorize what's most crucial about their accounts. And you see this in the book of Job. I believe Job uh, was put in place long before Hebrew became a written language. But if you look at the book of Job, it's set up as poetry that's designed to be easily memorized word for word. And so people had a way of preserving the story of Adam and Eve and the flood. The fact that we see the account of creation and the flood in over 150 different cultures of the world tells us there had to be a strong oral uh, history that was being passed on generation to generation. And yeah, the Sumerians were the first to put it in writing. Uh, Hebrew didn't become a written language of the 15th century, but there was an oral tradition uh, that was passed on literally for tens of thousands of years. Because we now know that the flood account Uh, is an ice age event, which means that this uh, tradition that you see in 150 different cultures had to be passed on by memorization. But seven days uh, in the work week is has not been traditional throughout all the world. The Romans had, I guess that must be why the Beatles wrote that song. What was it? Oh, yeah, here we go. Eight days a week. Eight days a week, right? That's how it was for the Romans. They had an eight-day week. The Egyptians had a 10-day long week, and I would hope that most of that was the weekend. But guess what? Fast forward to the 1790s. You wrote a blog uh, that cited this. 
In the 1790s, French revolutionaries championed a 10-day work week. It was happening during the French Revolution. It says we got to put everything on the decimal system. So that's where they came up with the metric system. But they also said, let's make that happen uh, with our calendar as well. And so their months had three sets of 10 days. And the people worked nine days, rested the 10th day. Oh. But it didn't last long. <laughs> we discovered that the productivity of the laborers dropped when they had to work nine consecutive yeah. days and only have one day of rest. And then we see during the uh, Soviet era that the Russians did the opposite. They cut the work week down and they've experimented with four days a week and five days a week. And again, they discovered productivity dropped. Now, it that's pretty spectacular yeah. to think about. But when I think of the experiment in France, that's just science. You know, it, it's we're moving to a metric system. We're getting scientifically based. And it's to me, it is reminiscent of um, what we do often in our society today. We think this is a more scientific, a more advanced way of looking at these things that we've done since antiquity. They need a makeover, right? The work week needs a makeover. So we're going to do it the science way, what we think is science, what we even deem sometimes settled science, when in reality, science needs to be probed. Fine. Let's see what happens when you have a 10-day workday or even a shorter workday. It's fascinating to me. According you mentioned that Russia looked at having even a shorter work week. Now, because we can wrap our heads around, Hugh, why a longer work week just won't work. But according to research from Project Time Off, people who take all of their allotted vacation, for example, are 31% more productive. They're 6.5 times more likely to earn raises. Scientific studies have found a link between happiness and productivity. So the idea now today is let's cut down the work week to four days or to five days and then have those. We all love those long three-day weekends. Come on. We're actually talking about that here in the state of California. It's at the legislature right now where they're talking about making a four-day work week for all companies that have more than 100 employees. This is seriously on the table. But what they're not taking into account is that labor is something that people enjoy. Typically, we have a five-day work week, but we all know that we do other things on Saturday to make up. Well and put. so the whole point is if you really want to enjoy your labor and be productive in your labor and do what's really best mm -hmm. in your a seven-day work week where you work six days and rest in the seventh is optimal. Often in slave cultures, they would just make their slaves work without any rest at all. And what they discovered is the productivity plummets. And the principle we see in the Bible is we need that day of rest to focus on the most important issues of life. The six days that you work, you're basically taking care of immediate needs, uh, long-term things like maybe writing a book or whatever, or launching a podcast. That's your work. But you need to take a day off on a regular basis where you say, I'm going to focus on the eternal things not the temporal things. That's what your labor is for. Let's focus on the eternal things. And I know a lot of people who they work five days a week, but on the weekend, they're still working on their projects. I see that with a lot of scientists. They enjoy their work so much. That's all they do. They work set 24-7. And they never think about the fact, hey, my life is going to end. This life isn't the end all. We are spiritual beings. 
we are going to live forever. God has written eternity on our hearts. We mm -hmm. need to think about that. And we need regular time to pause and think about that. And not just an hour or two. We need a whole day. You're helping us to put something else in perspective that is as old as Genesis. You actually write a bit about days of the week in your book, Navigating Genesis. Hugh, we have we look at the weekend as it's all the, the it's all rest, uh, a three day work weekend. We're resting, we're hanging out, but you bring up a very important point. We may be gardening. We may have chores to do. We may be interacting with friends and taking some time to work that angle of our life, so to speak, going out to dinner. These are things that we do. Even we go to a lot of games on the weekends, sports events, a lot of activity happens on the weekend, but what you're saying is not, this isn't about having more time to recreate. You're talking about time to get spiritual and we were created for that. Before we get into that God story, let's back up for a moment, Hugh. Let's talk about what, for example, Russia, when they experimented with a shorter work week and how California is looking at a shorter work week, why doesn't that work? And why does it seem that we were meant to work within this seven day? What they discovered in Russia is that when people say only work four days or three days a week, during their time off, they lose focus on what they're working on. So they come back to work and they're back at square one. And ah. so we do need extended time. To like, isn't and that like school? Remember going to school and you take summer off and you just forget everything you, you learned? Everything. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, in order to you know, be most productive in your life, you need extended time. And taking three days, having a four day a thing where you don't think about your work at all, coming back to it. Yeah, you lose a lot of perspective. You lose a lot of ground. It's like going up a mountain with scree on it where you take two steps up and one step slides <laughs> down. So if you want to keep moving up the mountain in terms of your labor and really making sure that uh, your labor is most enjoyable and most they've discovered, hey, focus on the six days, take a day of rest. And in America, people take their work home. And I think what you were mentioning earlier, in America, we've got the opposite problem. People don't take their vacation time. They take the work home. The joke that runs around is if you're in, you put a sign on your door, gone camping, I'll be back at the end of the fall. <laughs> An American puts a sign on his door saying, I just had a, a liver operation. I'll be taking emails and phone calls this afternoon. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's very true. We were not meant to to work without ceasing. And God set that right away. In, in Genesis, he set up that precedence of he worked, he created, he did beautiful things. And we weren't talking about nasty, hard labor, but a beautiful, creative, important, intricate, as we see more and more as digging into to science, how intricate the stars and the planetary systems are, how intricate the DNA sequence, six feet long in a tiny little cell. It's mind-boggling. Well, you notice in Scripture about how God celebrates the Sabbath for six days he yes. created. On the seventh day, he didn't just relax and do nothing. The seventh day, he stops his work of creation, 
and focuses on his work of redemption. And so the seventh day is when God is doing his work of redemption. Likewise, we work six days to produce the income we need to you know, keep our families going, to do our productive work. On the seventh day, the Sabbath is not a day where you just sit around and sleep all day and do nothing. That's not what the Sabbath is all about. It's taking time off from your work to meditate, to focus on the eternal things of life, getting together with your friends, talking about the important issues. That in the Bible, that when the Jews celebrated their Sabbath, they would gather, but they would talk about uh, God and eternity and what we can do to transmit this message to their children and to other peoples that are around them. And so it was work of a different kind, where during the six days you focus on the temporal objectives. On the seventh day, you focus on that which is eternal. The Jews uh, had what was called the Sabbath, and that was on Saturday. We just celebrated last week Easter. The resurrection changed that dynamic from uh, that Sabbath day on Saturday to Sunday. Can we talk about that briefly? Sure. There's a major debate with Seventh-day Adventists, with uh, Baptists, with Muslims, uh, Hindus, because they all celebrate a different day of the week uh, for their Sabbath. But I like what Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 14. He says the principle is one day out of seven. And it doesn't matter whether your Sabbath is a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday. And biologically, we can see we're most productive where we follow that. And we're going to be spiritually most happy uh, when we do take regular time to focus on the most important issues of life. There's studies where people who obey the Sabbath uh, deal with depression a lot less than people that don't. So there's good health reasons to do it, uh, but there's good spiritual reasons uh, to do it as well. What I hear in what you're saying is an interesting God story that I didn't expect to touch on today. What I hear you saying is it's important for us to adhere to the principles of biblical principles more so than the letter of the law. What am I saying? If we were obeying the letter of the law, by God, you need to rest on Saturday because that's what the law says. But what you're saying is, uh, Paul said that said that it's not as important in a nutshell, which day it is. It's important that you do this. And we see that not only in the days of the week, but in, in, the whole of scripture, there are things that we can become very legalistic and we expect the adherence to that law to be what sets us free, but it's not the adherence to the law. It's the principle behind it that is the, and the grace that accompanies it. That is our true liberation. Would you agree with that? The difference between principle and illustrate take an obvious example you got paul talking about women should always come into public meetings uh, with something on their head and that was a symbol at the time that married women were in submission to their husbands now today that's not an appropriate illustration but for a woman who's married to come to church without her wedding band on that would be an equivalent illustration 
the principle is. Oh, okay. Let me point that. Yeah. So you've seen it on television and stuff. It's, and I think I'll take this off and look single. Right. That's what that is saying. And that's an illustration. An illustration. It's not saying that yeah. thus saith the Lord. These are, it's the 12th commandment. It's the 11th commandment. And there's a difference in reading the Bible. You're not just saying this because it's convenient to helping Paul not look like a misogynist. You're saying this because there's a way that you read the Bible. There's ways that the Bible should be taken literally. There's ways that the Bible should be taken as an illustration. There's ways that the Bible should be taken figuratively with poetry and such. It really is important to look contextually at Scripture. Right. Yeah. So the idea of worshiping God on Saturday, it's an illustration of the Sabbath principle of taking regular time out of your work week to focus on the eternal issues of life. And I've been in churches where all the women are wearing hats, uh, thinking that's what the Paul was meeting in Corinthians. I so always wear hats, but that's not why. Black I just like think, hats. Hey, if you don't wear black, you're not really being uh, reverent. No, so and there, have you heard of Jesus jumpers? No, I, I, okay, so yeah. Jesus jumpers for those who think that women should always be wearing dresses. So there's that's what they if that's your conviction, I just want to say as you're watching, I am not going to make fun of you. You've got to do what you feel convicted to do. Uh, but sometimes it's not practical if you're adhering to the law and not to not to the the spirit of what God wants you to do. I understand being celebrating your femininity. I understand that. So I, I say that as a preference, but Jesus jumpers, they're like it overalls that are dresses and they're denim and women will wear them when they're not dressing up for some church or something. If And I went up skiing, but playing in the snow with, a bunch of homeschool families and there were some women and, and little girls in Jesus jumpers with their ski pants underneath their jumpers so that they could be modest and they could be women. And they were falling all over. Now that's what I'm going to make fun of. That was just, it was just inane. It was just like, what are, what are you doing? They could move their legs far enough to navigate the snow. And it was, it, it's crazy. We can Michelle, do. It's not just women. A hundred years ago, men would climb difficult mountain peaks wearing a full suit vested suit with <laughs> you're right you're right we will do that in the name of trying to do what is proper and god bless you i, I sometimes I, it's better to err on the side of safety do, yeah I, I think i'll err on this side but we're not really getting any closer to god when we're when we think that we can through our works and through the things that we do, become more godly. It is really by grace we're safe yeah, through faith. And to be balanced, there's nothing wrong with an illustration as long as you understand that it is an illustration of a more fundamental principle. So, hey, if you want to wear a hat to church, go ahead. I wear hats all the time, but I love hats and cowboy boots. It's my thing. Hugh, when we look at the calendar today, as an astrophysicist, you study the stars, how things kind of work in congruence. We, we can look back at the study of stars and how they've had an effect on time as we talk about the work week and the seasons and the year. We 
we are not always spot on, just as we're not always spot on with our choices. Uh, we adhere to the law. We try to adhere to a calendar, and yet we aren't spot on with our calendar. We're, we're off at times. Uh, the, we don't know the exact day when truly, necessarily, when Jesus was born or with the exact day that Easter actually happened, do we? Oh, we really don't know uh, whether or not Adam's Saturday is the same as our Saturday. And you're right, because the calendars have changed over the years. And the ancients were able to measure the length of the year to quite high precision. And so they recognized the need for having a leap year. But for example, we now know that in addition to an extra day added every four years, we have to add another day every 400 years. And then every oh, 40,000 years, we've got to add an extra day. We really want to be in length with the length of the solar year. So how are we off and why are we off? And doesn't that prove that we don't know what we're doing? The length of the year is not 365 days. It's roughly 365 and a quarter day. And so that's why we have every four years an extra day in February. But yeah, if you're looking at it long, you actually have to have an extra second day every 400 years because it's not exactly 365 <laughs> Quarter, uh, I think we're due, and I want that day. I want my day. Hugh, does, it begs the question, though, that doesn't seem like it really, things are really lining up in nature. That seems more chaotic. So doesn't that lead, wouldn't that be an argument for uh, the chaos in the universe and an argument against a creator? No, I don't think so. I mean, that the whole issue is simply the fact that the Earth's rotation rate is not constant. If you go back about 150 million years, uh, we had 23 hours in a day instead of 24. And uh, if you go into the future, it's going to be a 25-hour day. It's because of the tidal friction planet Earth receives from both the sun and the moon. Every day, our day gets a little bit longer by a few microseconds every year. In fact, See, I've been saying it. my day seems so. <laughs> it's especially going to have more time per day uh, next year than you will this year. <laughs> Good, uh, I need it. A few fractions of a microsecond, so <laughs> I take need advantage it. Advantage of that, <laughs> Hugh. Let's bring it home with the you touched on it: the spiritual and the emotional, the physical significance of our seven day work week. What a, a simple thing to talk about, but yet it is one of those of many things that show that God had a plan in all of the setting up of the earth and the universe, even time. There's a plan here and we are created to work within that plan. The idea that we just happened and uh, that chaotic kind of just goo just happened. When you see the order in a work week, that completely contradicts any idea of it's just chaos. Really? Well, how did we happen to evolve to a seven day week? And how did it just doesn't make sense. So let's bring it home with that spiritual significance. Yeah. And I'll make one physical comment first. Throughout Earth's history, our day has gone from two hours a day down to 24 hours a day. It won't be long before it's 25. 24 hours a day is optimal for humans and human civilization. And it's optimal for this work week. So the fact that each day is 24 hours and we work 144 hours and then we have a 24 hour period of rest 
that is optimal. So God put us here on planet Earth at the very best possible time for our clocks and our year. And that to me is a mind blower. Yeah, I mean, is. if we were here any earlier, the Sabbath principle wouldn't work as well as it works right now. But it's not just the Sabbath principle. There's, There's a host of other principles that you and I have talked about on this show of how we are set in a time and in earth history, in universal history, where there's the most diversity of vegetation and, 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 and animal life. And it is just as though God has a history from front to finish for mankind to be here at such a time that we can flourish, communicate and spread the gospel, one could say. That's exactly right. And we are at the one point in the history of the universe when we can see the whole history of the universe. If we were earlier or later, that wouldn't be possible. So God wanted us to have access to what he created. And I think one of the things we need to do in the Sabbath is just meditate everything that God did so we can exist here and realize, hey, if God created this vast universe so we could live in this brief window of time, Look at all he's done on our behalf. He must have a very high purpose for my life. And notice every human being is different, which means God must have a different purpose for every human being. And we need to get together as people. Part of the principle of the Sabbath is we gather together and we talk about these things. And it tells us in the book of Malachi, God pays attention when his followers, his believers gather together and begin to seriously communicate with one another about the most important issues of life. It's something that brings them great joy. And so I say, hey, let's go to church and let's really make God's day uh, by what we do and communicate with one another and really think and meditate. Everything's God. There's a lot of Christians who haven't yet discovered what their specific purpose in these 80 or 90 years they have here on planet Earth is. We need to help them find that purpose. And again, that's the principle of the Sabbath. Spend time meditating on God's word and prayer and discover what is the meaning of life and what is my role in preparing the people of planet earth for the new creation? What can I do to help them come into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Boom. And that's the God story right there. See, as you're watching, listening, or reading, that's what I promised. That's what we delivered. The God story in a seven-day week. (laughs) Man, if you can find the God story in a calendar, you can find the God story everywhere. And you can find the God story here on My Michelle Live. As you're watching, take a moment, won't you, and just just like us, share us, give a comment, give your thoughts, ask questions. We want to hear from you. We can answer those. I'm here for you. The God Story is here for you. And as Hugh Ross has been here for us, Hugh, thanks for joining us today. God bless you. More SciTech Talk at MyMichelleLive.com.